Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still am a medical doctor simultaneously pursuing a career in acting. I am so excited for this week's industry episode. The two incredible women you're about to meet are so inspiring, and I had such a wonderful conversation with them. They are Leslie Goyet, writer, director, and producer, and her producing partner, Michelle Engelhart. So, Have you, as an actor, ever been told the only way you're going to get cast in the ideal roles that you want and that you covet and the characters that you crave to be playing is by producing, directing, writing, casting, and starring yourself in your own films? How many times have you been told that? I know myself personally, I've been told that several times. But then they don't give you any advice on how to actually do it. I mean, I went to medical school. I didn't go to film school. I have no idea how to do this. These two women did the thing. Leslie had an incredible story that she wanted to tell. She wrote it, and then she got Michelle involved to produce it. Michelle used to work in IT. She had no idea what being a producer was all about until Leslie brought her along for this incredible ride. So they produced an amazing story stunning feature-length film called Maysville, which you should definitely check out. All the links about where to find it are below. And how they made this film come to life is one heck of a story that they are going to share with you with incredible advice, tips, and tricks on how to get started and how to build a film family. As an aside, they are both parents to actors, so child actors, and they give incredible advice and tips to parents who have kids who are interested in acting and in the acting industry, the film community. So a little bonus, a bunch of advice. So not only are you getting this incredible story about how Maysville came to life and advice on how to get started in creating and crafting your own films, but if you are a parent who has a child interested in acting, this is the episode for you too as well. Please enjoy the lovely, incredible, talented, inspiring creators of the feature film Maysville, Leslie and Michelle. done a few of these podcasts your story is fascinating oh thank you i absolutely love this whole concept of second act i love everything about it i love the fact that you know a lot of times if you're going to go into the medical profession right um that's a pretty big commitment right you've you've probably got a lot of student debt you've got you know you've got a a path and you pretty much have to follow it. But for you to kind of dig down and go, there's this little, this little voice inside me. That's just saying there's, I'm not complete without having this other side of me and to have the brains to have be in the medical field and then turn around and have the talent to be in the um, acting community. What an incredibly <laughs> rounded person. Oh, thank I mean, you. They usually don't go hand in hand, but wow. Thank you. Beauty and brain. Oh, gosh. You know? Thanks. <laughs> and I want to know more about your story. Well, yeah. 
my it's funny because I was saying to uh, the episode that's coming out this this week is I was listening to it and editing it. I was like, oh, this is the one where I go on a bit of a tirade about you know my about the medical community, healthcare industry, and I mean. Most of us, if in the healthcare industry these past two years, if you put a microphone in our face, we'll go on a bit of a tirade because of the pandemic. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I think especially, you know, meeting people with this podcast who've done similar things to me, and then also finding like there is a community of doctor actors. We have a little Facebook group or doctor actors on Facebook, right? And I was like, of course, because. We all think of ourselves as like these very unique individuals. Like, no, no, of course there's other people in this world who've done the same thing and feel the same thing. And it's so nice to find like that tribe of people. And um, yeah, I've interviewed a couple of them. And again, very similar kind of brains, that like logical brain who's kind of craving creativity because we just haven't had it in so long because of being in the in medical training, which is so science, science, science. Uh, but thank you. That's really, that's really kind. I appreciate that. It's been a fun. Well, how our husbands journey. are in the, in the healthcare field. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So what kind of position are you? So I'm like board, I, I, I guess I say board certified because a lot of people I listen, I, who listen are from the States. But um, so I did general medicine, like family general practice. And then I did fellowship training in sports medicine and orthopedics. Oh, cool. So that's what I do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. It is cool. I just think that that's so cool. I love it. That's so cool. And I love, and I I love, love the whole second act. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everyone should have a second act. Some of us don't. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think, you know, and it, it totally, totally describes Michelle and I. Yeah. It's, it's right where we are. Tell me your story. Tell me all about how I want. Obviously, I want to talk about Maysville because I was just saying Michelle to Leslie. I finished it this morning. And okay. uh, but tell me the story. How did how did you all come to be you? Wow. Okay. So we've gotten this question before, right, Leslie? So we can do this. That's such a big question. I mean, open-ended. I can start, Leslie? Yeah, please. It starts with Leslie, but, you know, sometimes it's it's easier if somebody else talks about you. But, um, yeah, so Leslie's kind of, or has been a closet screenwriter, or writer, but very much a screenwriter. In my view, she's a very visual writer, um, so which lends itself to, to screenwriting. And our kids met on a set of a, a DreamWorks commercial uh, back eight years ago now. My, our, all our kids have delved into acting, which is how we got into this world. And uh, my oldest daughter was um, an actor in it, and her son Holden was in it. And that's where we met eight years ago. And that was a really fun week for us to film that commercial. And uh, we kept in touch on you know, Facebook after that. But that was kind of it until Leslie... Three plus years ago, she pinged me. She's like, hey, I saw a short film your son was in that you posted. I have this script that I'd love to um, see if maybe I've got this role specifically um, with him in mind after seeing the short film. Would you guys be interested? I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know Leslie was a writer. I guess there's a lot I don't know about her. And she, I said yes, and she sent the script to me. It's, um, I love that it was set back in time in the 1920s, such a cool era. And it's a really ambitious script, feature-length um, film. And but I didn't get very far before I just started 
just crying, tearing up, um, page 15 or 16. I was like, this is so amazing. I've never, I read a lot of scripts with this three of my kids acting. Um, and this was a really good script in my opinion. I was kind of blown away. And the fact that I was crying was a good sign that it, you know, it engages the audience quickly. And so I texted her and I said, Oh my God, <laughs> when I got to like that page and she's like, Oh my God, good. Or, or, or Oh my God, bad. <laughs> and then I just picked up the phone and called her. And so it took off from there. She came up to Seattle. She's in Portland. I'm in Seattle. She drove to Seattle and we did like a table read of the script. And, um, and then right there, it's like, she asked me to marry her. She said, Hey, Michelle, we're two women. Women get stuff done. Let's do this. Can you do this with me? I've never made a film before. And I was like, ah, <laughs> let me think about that. And I took a, a, a week or so to think about it. I practically had a panic attack because she, Leslie's more of a, um, a risk taker than I am. I'm more conservative and, and I, you know, I felt like I didn't really know her. She seemed great, but you know, it was a big deal to jump into bed, you know, so to speak with somebody so quickly and because we had to start a business together they had to you know get an llc for the production company and uh long story short i said yes and here we are three years later with i think what is a beautiful film and um given the price tag you know what our budget was um i think it's i'm biased but what you know we hear this from others quite a few others as well is that wow you did this you made this film, not having made any film before. Neither one of us had even made a short film. We definitely have been behind the scenes and a lot of, you know, many, many times on set amongst our various, our kids. Uh, being on set, we're with them, but that's just, you know, just observing and watching and taking it in. And over time, we've networked with lots of crew and actors over time. And I guess, in a way, I think it was fate. Not that I believe very much in fate, but in this case, I kind of do because it just kind of all came together. It was very stressful. There were lots of different things that happened that really threw wrenches into the whole thing, as you can imagine. Um, but we got it done. And here we are. I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I want to just take a step back first before I ask about kind of process wise because again like we were chatting earlier most people who are listening are actors especially people who are interested in getting into acting kind of later on in life or maybe interested in things like directing writing producing and stuff like that so take me back where did this screenplay come from and or how did you even think I want to make a film like where did that come from (sighs) Okay, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker since I was a small child. Um, and everyone in my whole family has known that. I have been pretending to be a filmmaker, you know, since, you know, when I was five years old. And I was always directing, constantly, constantly directing um, plays and storytelling. And, and um, when I graduated high school, I did, I, I, I went from... Uh, Kentucky. So the movie itself is based in Maysville, Kentucky. I'm from Appalachia. That's the, that's where I'm from. So that's why the story is based there. So I, it kind of comes from what I know. I was, uh, I'm from the mountains and uh, deep in the mountains. And, um, but uh, I left that and moved to the West Coast after I graduated high school. Um, 
and I attended the University of Oregon to study film. And my freshman year of college, they cut that program. <laughs> so I had to make, you know, had to make some quick adjustments here. What am I going to do? Had to make some decisions. So I ended up just going back into theater. So for many, many years, I directed theater. I produced theater. I, I produced relatively large productions. Um, so I have been directing and producing theater for a number of years. And then when my children started uh, taking a step from theater into uh, commercial and uh, television and film, that's when I started seeing the behind the scenes of, you know, what I always wanted to do. And like Michelle says, that's when, you know, when your children are, are working and they're in front of the camera, you're, you're, you're on the side and you're talking to the first AD and the second AD and you're talking to the grip and electric. And those are the people that you get to know and you really get to know their jobs and the boom operator and so on. And those are the people that talk to you and entertain you while, you know, the director's working with your kid in the scene and so on. So we really got to develop a lot of strong relationships. And so I always wanted to make movies. That's my, that was my dream. I thought that had passed me by. I thought once I become a mother, there's no way I'll ever be able to get back into that kind of thing. But it found me if that makes any kind of sense. I kind of feel like, you know, and Michelle kind of kind of touched on some things earlier. I've always been a closet writer. I've always, I have five scripts and I've never let, I would never let anyone read my writing ever because I was so afraid. Um, I, I, I liken letting someone read your writing to letting them see you naked mm. because you're so vulnerable in your writing, Right. Um, it, it can show weaknesses, it can show strengths and it can, you can, you can be just so judged by your writing. So I never let anyone read my writing. So the first time I reached out to Michelle was a pretty big deal to let someone actually read it. Um, and that's kind of where the, the movie making came from. As far as the story of Maysville, it's, it's the, the characters of Teddy and Willie are based on my sister and myself. And our childhoods growing up in um, that region of the country, it is more of a poverty-stricken area. And when we were little, we, you know, we were on uh, raised on farms, and um, we were tobacco farmers. And yeah, it was it, there wasn't a lot to do when I was little, even in the 1970s. There wasn't a lot to do. So everything that you see Teddy and Willie doing, the, the you know, trouble that they get in, that was things that me and my sister did, you know. And that's just where the story, uh, where the roots of the story come from. What was it about this story in particular? Or was there a moment that you said, this is the story I want to share not just with Michelle, but like with the world, right? Like, cause that one is, it's like a life story, which is hugely vulnerable, but like, what was it that kind of shifted in your brain? If there was anything that said, okay, time to go, time to share my work with the world. Oh, that's a good question. That is a very good question. I'm, I'm not quite sure other than the fact that 
I had written this story at a time when the lead characters were at this uh, prepubescent age. And when I wrote it, you know, I looked over and I'm like, there's my son at this perfect age. And I'm like, this really could work. I know he could play this character. I know he could. I know he could do it. And it would be the only opportunity that I would ever have to really be able to work with these characters. I'm pretty close to the characters. I, I know them inside and out. And I thought, gosh, you know, I'm the I'm the right person who should tell this story. I'm the right person who should direct this because I know this. I know it. And there was still a little hint inside me saying, gosh, can you do it? Can you do it? And then when I reached out to Michelle, Michelle gave me that validation that I needed to hear. So when Michelle said, I love it, I really like this story, I guess that's what I needed to hear. Because, you know, when you share it with family or friends, they're all going to tell you, oh, it's great. Yeah, good job, good job. But Michelle was a stranger. Well, not a stranger. She was a friend, but she, she would, uh, she would would have been honest. You know, if she if it wasn't something she liked, she definitely would not have wanted wanted her children attached to the project either. And so, getting that validation gave me that little bit of boost. And so then we reached out, and when we were trying to crew the film, we got a lot of positive feedback with people wanting to be a part of the project. You know, very ambitious. Everybody was was kind of thrilled at the idea of doing a period piece because doing a period piece set back in the late 1920s is something a lot of studios won't even attempt because it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. It is very expensive and it takes a lot of detail and a lot of attention when it comes to um, set design and when it comes to um, costuming and being period appropriate and so on. And we got so many yeses. We kind of thought this is, this is it. This is what we're going to do. This is the right thing to do. So a, a lot of people kind of rallied around us to, to get it done. The doors kept opening for us. It was another reason it just felt like this, this film needs to be made Leslie's, you know, she said she works, has worked in the theater, volunteered you know, for many years in the theaters in Portland, and we got almost our entire wardrobe, over 2,000 pieces from those theaters, for example. I mean, there's so many reasons this film should not have been able to be made in the way it was without you know, all these doors opening for us. So wardrobe is just one example. And that's something that I know I've touched on with in most episodes is about the networking piece that we have to do kind of in this industry. And if you have a comfort level with other people in the industry, like you were saying, Leslie, like being there on set as a mother chatting with, you know, whoever the boom operator, whatever, it's incredible who you meet. And then like you were saying, kind of Michelle, like paying, not so much paying it forward, but you know what I mean? Like you meet all these people and they're going to help contribute because they see value in what you're doing. And also they're like, these people are nice and great. So like, of course I want to help them out. And I think that's, ooh, this is going to sound a bit snarky, but like people who come from a world prior to the entertainment industry, 
a, a first act or whatever kind of have a bit of an upper edge because they've had to do that. They've had to network. They've had to communicate with other humans and know how to do that. I don't really have a question. It's more of a statement like, yeah, but uh, like, uh, that's incredible. So one thing that, you know, we have a little phrase that we use often uh, that we learned pretty quickly is you just need to ask. So we call it the power of the ask. What is the worst that can happen if you ask for something for free or, you know, for almost nothing? Often for us, it was, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Or, you know, we can't do that, but we could do this. And sometimes this was better than that. And it's crazy. The, the, everything. The, so it, it was shocking how often it was a yes and that or no. We found two towns. Um, so finding the film location was so key um, for Maysville. It's, we found these two twin towns, half equidistant between Seattle and Portland. So perfect for where Leslie and I, between, right between where we live. And um, they're, they're historic towns with lots of antique stores, lots of pride in the history of that area, um, an historic mansion that we found for one of the house, main houses in the, uh, in the film, just perfectly set back in the time that we needed it set in. Uh, we needed so much in terms of props and set decorating, and we found it all, plus all our locations, plus so many extras, so many people in those towns volunteering and excited to volunteer to be in a, a film, in a film set in the 1920s. How fun is that? You get to dress up in, you know, look, and look like you're from the 1920s. Um, so without all that goodwill, we, we wouldn't be here today. And uh, I think there was just so much luck in finding those, those twin towns. We found um, our first person that we connected with down there, Mary Kurtzbein. She's got a, an antique store down there, and she's very much involved in the community. She volunteers um, in many ways down there and loves the history, and she's very proud of the area, as are many people. But she was our first connection to that, um, to that area, and we connected with a friend of hers, Jer- Jeremy Wildhaber, and he has one of the best restaurants in the whole area, wonderful chef. And he and she met up with us one day. Uh, we came down there and took us all over, and we found almost every single location that we needed. Leslie, how many locations? Was it 15, 14? 17. Locations. And we found them, almost all of them, within one day. So I, 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 I look back and I just wonder, like, why, like how? <laughs> Where did we find these people? How is it that... We connected to those people through another producer who wanted to film down there uh, for something else that didn't work out. He said, Michelle, this is a great area um, to film in for something like Maisel. I think you should check it out. And so he connected us. So, um, yeah, so that's how the sausage got made. (laughs) Part of it anyway. Can I touch on this is a bit of a I'm taking a bit of a a bit of a detour here just because I think you both are really unique in the fact that obviously you're you know the producing writing making of a film but also the two boys in the film are your sons correct Correct. yeah michelle before you came on here i was like leslie who are those two boys they're incredible and she's like they're our kids what (laughs) like so you have this unique like obviously filmmaker industry side but then also being a parent of an actor can you tell me a bit more about 
those experiences that you've had because I do know I have a lot of friends who are like, how do I get my kid into this? But also, what has that been like having your own children on be a part of this project? That's a really big question. There's a yes. lot of Sorry. different angles we could take with that. And Leslie and I have been doing this, you know, supporting our kids in, in acting for, you know, at least a decade. And I have three. She has two. Both her sons have delved into it, especially Holden. Um, gosh, where do we start? So so I'll just tell my story quick and then I'll pass it to Leslie. But or my story with my children and, and falling into acting because I feel like we fell into it. Um, my oldest daughter, who's now 17, when she was five or six, I had a friend at work say, hey, she's really... Um, she, outgoing? Uh, no, she's not outgoing. She's really good in engaging with adults. So maybe that is a way to say she's outgoing, but she's she was um, unusually good in connecting and talking and easy with adults. <laughs> and um, also she was very... Uh, patient and I think for a kid who's five or six that's unusual <laughs> so I think those things so I got her into an acting class that that co-worker recommended because her, her children were in it and Eden is, that's my daughter she did the acting class for a school year and then summer came around and we just took a break from it and she liked it but she likes a lot of things and then in August that summer we got a call from that teacher who's also a local casting director here in Seattle, and she said, hey, I'm casting for this national commercial. It's kind of a big deal. I think Eden would be, you know, have a good shot at it if you wanted her to audition. So long story short, is it was beginner's luck, I really feel. <laughs> um, she got that audition, which there were a ton of little girls um, auditioning for that one. And so it just kind of went from there. And once she got the audition, then agents came our way, because you have to have an agent to do a commercial like this, so quickly, we got an agent like the next day, and it just went from there. And then there's not a lot of that happens in Seattle filming-wise. We're very backwater. Like Canada has got the huge film incentive, so that's why you got it going on in Toronto right now with Netflix and whatnot. But Washington, being right next to Canada, and in between Canada and Oregon, Oregon, Leslie State, has a big, relatively big film incentive compared to Washington. There's not much film here, but there's a lot of independent films made here and a lot of commercials, especially in the summertime. And then um, we just have some big uh, companies like Microsoft and Amazon who are always doing commercials and industrials and whatnot. So that's where my kids have um, delved into more of indie films and industrials and and commercials. So, and then they got an agent in LA. So they do, they do audition for um, first shows and bigger studio based films. Um, as far as, you know, my kids, I had uh, two kids who started in this industry and how did they get into it? Um, my older son was doing equity theater uh, when he was in second grade and equity theater is very, it, you know, it's, it's as professional as it gets. And he was doing, um, I think, let's see, uh, five, six, seven, you know, 10 shows a week while attending public school through the Christmas season. And he ended up doing, goodness, I think like 95 shows uh, of A Christmas Story in downtown Portland. And uh, that was it's a big commitment for a little kid, right? 
really big commitment. It's a big commitment for a parent, too, because you drive them to the theater every single day. They're there for six hours of rehearsal and and so on. And it shows a lot of discipline because, you know, you have to sit, you have to be quiet while the director's working and working out the scene and they're blocking and so on. And, you know, you have four weeks of rehearsal and then you go into eight weeks of the show and it just showed a lot of commitment. And so it was very easy to get an, an agent after you can show that you've worked in professional theater. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, you know, I asked Harrison if he would be interested in doing something like that. And Harrison said, sure, I'd love to do a, a commercial where I spend one day on set and make the same amount of money as, you know, 12 weeks in theater. So uh, and we got the agent and, you know, some commercials came his way. And then um, Little Brother saw big brother doing doing it and it turns out that little brother was the one who really loved it and uh, my older son ended up you know once you get older you um you have to kind of make some decisions unfortunately when he was a freshman in high school he he loved baseball wanted to be on the baseball team high school baseball team and it is such a huge commitment to do that so he kind of stepped away from that whole acting scene but my younger son, Holden, who is in the film Maysville, he has made it his commitment. So he's done, you know, throughout the years, he's done some television shows and he's done some indie film and, and um, you know, some projects here and there. And, and it's what he wants to do for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. whether it be in front of the camera, behind the camera. He is an absolutely brilliant writer. He is a crazy talented editor he makes his own short films it's fascinating for me to sit back and watch because i will just look at him and say you came up with that you did that are you sure and i i love to see it i I love to see you know him grow and develop and both of my kids but um as far as you know like getting an agent getting him you know just what you have to do is just make sure that it's what your kids want and not what you want And let them know that it is a lot of, you know, if they want to do film or if they want to do commercials, there's a lot of patiently waiting, being very patient and waiting. And, um, you know, nowadays kids have iPads and iPhones and so on. When my first son first started, there were no, none of that technology. You know, it was more bring a deck of cards and a yo-yo. That was his thing. He had, he was a big time yo-yoer so he would bring his yo-yo to the theater and when he wasn't working he was practicing his yo-yo tricks but um it's a lot easier now i think for kids and it just takes a really supportive parent mm-hmm. and it, for the child my only advice would be to don't ever take anything personal there's a lot of rejection in this oh yeah um adults adults see that and adults move on but kids for kids sometimes it can, they have a hard time separating the emotional side of it, but why, you know, uh, why, what was, what was wrong about me? And, and, and sometimes they can internalize it. Like, am I not handsome or pretty enough? Was I, you know, was I, you know, especially, you know, children, you know, am I too chubby? Why, you know, why was I not right for that? And you have to be prepared for things like that and, the best advice we ever got was, you know, as soon as you go into that audition room, you audition. And when you leave, 
you forget about it. Absolutely forget about it. If you hear something, that's a bonus. That's awesome. That means you did, you know, you, you had something they were looking for. But if you didn't hear anything, you have to just move on. Don't worry about it. Let well, just move on. So with children, make sure that you know that they're going to get their knees scraped. You know, they're going to fall down and they're going to stumble. And sometimes it's a home run and sometimes it's a strikeout. Um, but it does build character. It builds character. I will say that, yeah, I will say that um, getting, you know, one callback out of 10 auditions, you know, it, it, it builds that strength within within someone, you know. And these kids who are in this industry, they learn really quickly how to adjust and how to accept rejection, mm. you know. And they know that there'll be another opportunity. And that's what's great about, and that makes me excited about my sons later on in life, no matter what happens, whether it be in their career or whether it be in relationships, it's going to be okay. You know, just there will be other opportunities. So that's my advice. I think that's great. And it's funny. I didn't want to turn this into like a parenting, (laughs) parenting (laughs) chat, but but again, I'm bringing back to some of the other people I've chatted with who most second act actors had creative childhoods or loved doing like the theater and the musicals and in the high school, and then were either told by a parent or a guardian or figure, uh, good, but that's not the logical choice for a career. Um, go do the logical thing. Or like in my case, I mean, my parents never outright said that, but it was kind of a, that kind of hidden implication. And so that was the shift into, yeah, choose a more logical career choice. And maybe when you're, you know, you mm-hmm. can do it as a hobby, right? So I right. That's incredible advice, I think, because my, my question, which I didn't want to be like judging of any parenting styles, but, you know, to be so supportive of your children when they're choosing to do this, um, with also trying to coach them and teach them about the rejection because I, I think deep down that is probably what most parents with my second act actor people were trying to do was to protect and say mm-hmm. choose a more logical career choice it wasn't no no shut down creativity because creativity is bad it was I, I'm trying to protect you from awful rejection mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well and and you know you also want your, your kid to be safe You want your kid to be um, able to support themselves, right? Mm -hmm. The average actor in Los Angeles makes $5,000 a year. Mm -hmm. That's the average. How? Well, that's not going to support you, right? We we have this fancy, uh, fanciful um, imagination that we're all going to be Sandra Bullock and Tom Hanks. And we're going to be Tom, you know, I'm that good, you know. And the thing about it is, is that... You can be that good. You can be the best actor in the room. And I've told my son this a thousand times, you know, you can be the most talented and the best, but if you're not the right look or if you're not the right fit or if you're not tall enough or if you're the the co-star is, uh, you know, 
she's a female and she's six one, and they want a, a male that's six one or taller. There are so many outside factors that you have absolutely no control over that are always going to be in that room with you. So you're not just competing against the other actors. Um, you're competing against outside factors, you know, that you don't know about. So just because you may be the most talented person and you may go back and look at a project and go, oh, I could have nailed that so much better. <laughs> We've all done it. We've all done it. Everyone has said, you know, I really think that, you know, I could have done a better job. There was a reason why you weren't cast in that. Mm. There's a reason why. And the only thing that you can hope is that you left a good impression that maybe someone will remember you next time. And a lot of times it's the casting director that knows what a great job you did. So they're the ones who are going to bring you back and give you other opportunities. So always make sure that you always say thank you when you walk out that room. So do you have any advice for people who are thinking about entering into this industry, not just as an actor, but doing what you two did? Maybe they have a screenplay in their closet. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a friend who they're like, you should get this on film. Do you have any advice Mm -hmm. for people who are just kind of waiting in the wings? Well, there's a lot of a, a lot of different ways to approach it, right? There's a lot of different ways, and one of the one of the really cool things that you can do is um, you can take your screenplay and you can uh, send it around. First thing, please, if I can tell anyone, copyright, copyright, copyright your material. It's fifty bucks. Send it in to the U.S. Copyright Office. Get that copy written and get yourself protected, um, especially if it's an awesome script, right? Um, then send it around. Send it around to different uh, screenwriting competitions. That can build momentum around you. That can get people talking about you. If you've if you've been a semifinalist, or if you're a finalist, or even if you win the uh, Francis Ford Coppola screenwriting competition, right? Or this comp for screenwriting, or this screenwriting competition, you have four or five um, uh, semifinal. Uh, results with your screenplay, that's going to garner some attention, right? Uh, That means that people think it's good, right? Um, So that's one avenue that you can do to get some attention to your screenplay. If you are fortunate enough um, to financially be able to to, um, fund your own project, which is, you know, may sound crazy. A lot of people think you need millions and millions of dollars to do a feature film. We finished Maysville under um a hundred thousand dollars. Uh it was a it cost us about what you would pay for a brand new souped up car. Oh my yeah. god. And so right. So what what you can do though is if you're willing to hustle and if you're willing to work hard and like Michelle and I each wore like 10 hats each. Michelle wasn't just a producer. She was a unit production manager. She was doing craft services. She was doing payroll. She was doing insurance and you don't hear, you don't see a lot of that. You know, she has this title as producer and you know, I'm the costumer. I'm, I'm assisting in costumes. I'm assisting in uh set build you know my husband built some sets and i'm uh, doing set decoration so 
you got to be willing to just dig deep and do hard work yourself you if you're going to do it on your own so if you don't have the money fundraise 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 uh don't go into it until you know 100% you have the the money behind you and put it on paper and like Michelle and I we we pounded out three different um budgets for this film one was a dream budget one was, you know, okay, this is this is what we can do on this budget. And then one was a bare bones minimum. We have to have at least this much. And, and we felt comfortable before we took that step. So if you want to get your um, screenplay out there, get it out to screenwriting competitions. Um, and then if you are brand new to the industry and you've just got a screenplay, I would recommend reaching out to your local film um, in the, uh, your, your, uh, like, uh, Oregon has the Oregon Film Association. Just send emails. There are people that can help you get connected, right? First thing you would do is find a line producer. And there are people listed in your community that are line producers. Sit down, talk with them, interview them, and just say, you know, help me work out a budget, you know? This is what I need to come up with. How do I actually put this film together? And starting with the line producer, that's their job. Their job is to put together a budget for you of how much you would need. And they're very good at it. And then once you have that budget, try to raise those funds. Raise, raise, raise those funds. And it, it can take a while. But if it's, if it's truly something you want in your heart, you'll find that way. You will find that way. Or that way will find you. Mm-hmm. And... Like, I, I think I wrote 75 letters to the most powerful women in the United States that I could find. I got zero responses. I wrote letters to, you know, Oprah Winfrey, you know, trying to find support for women in film and, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I did it. It didn't, it, it didn't pan out for me, but I did that. There are also grants that you can apply for plenty of grants. There's an amazing grant in the state of Washington right now, um, uh, it's named after a beautiful filmmaker who passed away uh, two years ago, but it's for first timer women over the age of 40 who've never made a film. How cool is that? Something out there for those people that need the help, you know, people that just need that opportunity, that one chance. And that's what it, it really boils down to. I just need someone to look at me, believe in me and know that I can do this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, there's plenty of platforms out there as far as fundraising, Indiegogo, Kickstarter, Seed and Spark, all kinds of different avenues, whatever would be right for your film. And build your base, use your social media, all of that kind of thing to raise those funds and and just get the ball started. And I think once you get there, you're going to find that, the other motto Michelle mentioned earlier that, you know, the power of the ask, the other motto that we learned is that people want to help people. That's what we really learned. People genuinely want to help people. People are afraid to ask. People don't want to ask for help. But I can tell you that what we've learned is that the human species genuinely does care about each other and that they do want to help each other. And I, I think that once you kind of get uh, a family started, there will be plenty of people that will want to attach themselves to your project and help you mm. in any way we can. 
Michelle, do you have any advice? I guess for me, like what I've learned through all this is well, when Leslie asked me to step in as a producer, I remember thinking, I don't know the first thing about producing, about, I don't even know what they do. What is a producer? And so I thought, okay, I don't have that skill set. I, I can't do that. I remember th- thinking that for a while and just kind of researching what does a producer do. And I, in a previous life, I was a project manager in IT. And um, I realized that much of what a producer does is project management. I actually think it's entirely project management. <laughs> and all those skills that I did in the IT world um, translate over to being a producer. They truly did. And um, so it was just really funny to come from thinking I had, I had no experience being a producer whatsoever, which is true, to, oh, I have those skills. I already have those skills. I've been doing that for like 18 years. So um, for me, it was don't, you know, don't think you can't do something. Look into it. I mean, it was, it's very scary um, making a career change, I think, for most people. Most people kind of stay, a lot of people just stay put because it's comfortable after a while. You know what you're doing. And it's just easier than thinking about a career change, right? I and mean, this is a good um, podcast for that. <laughs> so to me, it was like looking that in the face and, and realizing you have so many skills from your previous career that translate into many, many other careers. So don't, don't be afraid to take the plunge because it brings happiness, right? I mean, people are so many people, so many of us are stuck in a career that we're like, okay, we've done this. We've been doing this too long. We need to change. And they say what people have should have like three or four careers in their life, but it's so hard to make that decision. It's a dra- seems like a drastic decision to change. So I'm so glad to have had that experience because I feel like I could change careers again. You know, I feel more, much more comfortable thinking about what's the next thing I could do any, you know, put your mind to it and you can do it. Yeah. Uh-oh, Leslie, your risk-taking is worn off on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would think so. I, I think so. I mean, Michelle definitely was a up until, I want to say a month, about a month and a half before filming, Michelle still said, why don't we just take the money that we have and make a really good short film? Let's just do a short film. And I said, okay, Michelle, I'm making a feature film. Are you coming with me or not? Now's the time I need to know, are you coming with me or not? And she's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we had just, we had raised just enough money or so we thought to think, to, to, potentially make a feature versus a short film. And I remember thinking, well, if it was just a bit less, then we could just make a really good short film. Because that's what most um, filmmakers starting out do, is that's why they make short films. One of the main reasons is to showcase what you can do to get the investment, um, you know, from the right folks. They can see, you know, really see tangibly, looking at your short film, what you can do to fund a feature film. Most feature films have some sort of... More backing, <laughs> more funding. So we just did it with a feature film to you know, showcase what we can do with a feature. Hey, if we can do this with the amount of money that we did it for, what do you think we could do with a, a real, much more realistic amount of money to make a film? Films cost millions, good films, and to get a star. Our film does not have a star, so that's, they cost a lot of money, but that's kind of what you need to really... Get, get the film marketed. Mm. 
unfortunately. But we are thrilled with how the film looks, oh, how the yeah. film feels, and and you know how how we were able to pull that together just just by hard work. That's just our hard work behind the scenes and being able to. One of the things that we did was um, <laughs> we went restaurant to restaurant through the towns and we just knocked on doors and asked, would you be willing these local restaurants to feed our crew one day, just one day. And all of these restaurants in this little community were just like, sure, sure, sure. So each day that we were on set, you know, 21 days, we had, you know, food delivered. So that took a huge chunk of our budget out of the food. And we were able to put more money into our cinematographer and the camera crew and so on. Because we knew you only get one shot to make this look good. You only get one shot to make it sound good. That's it. That's it. You can't go back and do it again and do it again and do it again. Like you can a take, you know. If you don't like what the actors are doing, let's do another take. Let's do another take. You only get one shot with your cinematographer. You only get one shot with your sound um, recorder. So those two things that we were able to move money from this area into the area that we needed, we wanted it to be a good looking product, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where we were able to put more of our financial backing behind those things. Power of asking. The power, the power of the ass. Oh my right. gosh. It's just, it's just, it's just such a heartwarming, lovely story in like the chaos of the world, right? They're like, that's so nice. <laughs> well, this whole community rallied around us and this, and the community so made this film. We went before city council and we made a plea before city council. Would you be willing to waive all of the permitting fees? Because we don't have any money. <laughs> Would you waive permitting fees? And let us film in, like, um, Teddy's house. That's an actual museum in the community. All of that furnishing, it is from the late 1920s. And everything in that house hasn't been touched. It was from a family from the 1920s when they died. So that's an actual museum that they use. And they let us use that. The courthouse was built in 1929. The city of Centralia is known as Hub City USA. So every weekend they have car shows. So we just started attending the car shows and befriending the people of the town that had all these old cars. And we asked them, would you be willing to donate your car to be in our film? And we met these incredible people and every time you see those street scenes, you know, you see one side of the street, but what you can't see is on the other side of the street is that there's about 12 to 15 camp chairs and all of these sweet, sweet people who own their precious vehicles that have been, you know, just pristinely refurbished back to the 1920s and 30s. And they're just sitting in their camp chairs, just watching us shoot this film all day long they never complained or anything as long as, you know, we, we fed them. <laughs> but they, they let us use their vehicles for free. Oh, my gosh. Is that just amazing? Just the mill, the people who own the mill, they let us use the mill for free. And all of these a, things. Just We needed a 1929 Fordson tractor for a specific scene in the film, which mm-hmm. you can, maybe you remember. Mm-hmm. And we found. But it needed to look new. It didn't, it had to look new, right? Um Set back then. And there happens to be a tractor museum in this town with that exact tractor with a lovely owner 
who drove it out to us, you know, for, you know, to the set, to the shoot that day. And um, just, just, you know, all for free, just, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was a steam engine. They have their own steam engine, not privately owned railroad tracks. And they were like, sure, you can use the train. I mean, it's it, everyone said, yes, you know, yes, we want to be a part of it. Yes, we want to help you. Mm-hmm. They wanted to help us. And it was this community that helped us. And oh. so as part of the fundraising, we have hosted a dinner down in these towns and promoted it via their newspaper and radio station and got the word out. And I don't know, we had like over a hundred people, Leslie, mm-hmm. attend this dinner. And we just really wanted to, it was a fundraiser, but also to inform the community and get the good, try to get the goodwill of the community to let them know what was going on. But what came our way was so much more, we raised a little money, um, but it was so much more than that because we had signups at the end of the dinner saying, Hey, if you want to sign up to be an extra in the film, sign here if you know of any locations and we we did a presentation of the locations we need and the types of props we needed so um we tapped into a lot of the antique stores around there and so much we got so much that night we got we had to um we were looking for a barn to burn down we got a few offers more than one offer to burn down a <laughs> volunteer barns to burn down yeah yeah so we got amazing goodwill from the community, but we got so much um, that would have cost money, but people just donated their time and what they had, their locations. It just kind of just came our way. Oh, I, that's so, it's so brilliant. Cause I think it's, it's that like bit of investment in the, like you're saying investment in the community and yeah, you maybe didn't raise like cash money, but what, Right. you got is just and then you'll have these people forever who you know if in the future here you go right? they're part they of the remember. film exactly in so many yeah. ways it's funny we talk about if you watch any of the credits of the film the special things <laughs> are the longest part of our credits because there genuinely were so many people to oh. thank because without them, Michelle and I, yeah, we, we, it wouldn't have happened. It really wouldn't have happened without, without them and their support. Yeah. And I do think one big draw um, is the type, of the type of film it is. It's set in the 1920s. And these are two historic towns. And this, whole, this area, this county, Lewis County, they're looking for ways to promote tourism in the area. So it kind of dovetailed into that as well. It's kind of a selling point. Like, oh, we, made, we had this film made here, set in the 1920s. Um, so, but also I think people, you know, as Leslie said, people want to help people. But I also think people want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And especially something creative like a film. I mean, it's just kind of maybe, uh, I think a lot of people think oh, that's a once in a lifetime experience. That's something yeah. I've never done. How, how crazy is that? So mm-hmm. it's just, I think also a selling point is this, this unusual experience you get to, you know, be a part of and say you did and talk about. It's just fun. And it's a legacy, right? Because I think it never will go away, right? It's part of the world now. It's a thing that will right. exist beyond right so this legacy for not only this town but for these people and just yeah it's now like a like you were saying about you captured your sons in this moment in time you know Mm -hmm. the town in this moment in time yeah a legacy piece you know a great time capsule Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. 
Is there anything coming up for you both? Anything you're looking forward to? Rest. <laughs> Rest. Uh, we're we're still, you know, the film was released around uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas of last year, so we are still in the uh, rollout phase, so to speak. We have no idea how the film is performing yet. Won't know until probably, you know, next month how, you know, the first quarter went and so on. And, you know, Michelle and I, we're a great team. We're a great partnership. We we work very well together. We would love to make more projects. We Leslie just... has, what, seven or eight scripts in her back pocket that I haven't read yet. <laughs> There's a new one, Michelle, I haven't told you about. There's a new one. <laughs> Um, but again, it's finding those, those people that are willing to invest in us. Now we do not feel comfortable starting all over with a whole new Kickstarter or a new Indiegogo. We feel like we've gone to the well to our family and friends Mm -hmm. and asking for that again would be a little bit tough for the both of us. We don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We would love to, at this point, find investors now that we've shown what we can do with like Michelle said earlier, with almost no money. Imagine what we can do if you if you could support us, you know. We're waiting as yeah, so we're waiting to see how well Maysville does and we're finally going to be getting that information. You have to wait a long time. I mean <laughs> it's been seven months. Yeah. But but now we're gonna start getting those numbers and then we'll go from there. Do you um, both have any final kind of words of wisdom, advice for the actors of the world, but also just, you know, people that you've been around and stuff like that? What another loaded question I'm giving you. My goodness. <laughs> I guess my only my, go back to just, just what I've learned is just to go for it. If you feel like you need a change in your life or you need in, to do something different, don't don't take years to hesitate. I do feel like Leslie came into my life at um, the right time and challenged me to take this on. I still don't know where, why, you know, like, wow, where did she come from? But I'm just, I'm just so happy for the experience and the challenge. And I look back and I think, why was I so afraid to like change careers or try something different? So just, just go for it. You learn so much. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go specifically talk about actors in general I was an actor when I was young, and I'm a plus-size woman. Um, Even when I was, you know, a size 10, size 8, size 10, um, I was always told my whole life, you you will never be on screen. You've got to lose weight. You've got to get down to a size 2 or a size 0. That's not me. I will never be that small. I'm very muscular. I was, you know, basketball, softball player, and so on. Um, But that's... I, I I was told I would never fit. I I didn't have the look for television and film, which is another reason why I would love to go. I, I loved theater because I could still fit in uh, theater. Um, what I can tell you now is some of that is changing. Not a lot for women. Um, that door is definitely uh, more open for men than women. But... One of the things that I would love to tell people is I know in my heart, if you're an actor, you can never let it go. It will always be inside you. I get emotional talking about it. It's in you. And there's 
there's just a high that you have when you create a character and you deliver that character, whether it be in front of a camera or it be on a stage. When you get that and you develop that and you portray that, it's just a feeling that I cannot describe in any other workplace or any other kind of demographic. It's just a part of you. And I know that when you're an actor, it's always in you. And I don't think that it ever goes away. So if you were that high school musical person, I know that you're 50 years old and you still have small children or you're 40 years old and you have small children and you think that that was a time in your life. It's still with you. And just don't ever let it leave. Find a way to let that always be a part of your life. If, you know, we all have to eat. We all have to make a living. And if you need to find a way to, you know, to live, you have to do that. But I would say the only advice I can give you is if you love it, don't ever let it leave you. Always find a way to make it be a part of your life. Even if you're volunteering doing hair and makeup at the high school. Even if you're volunteering doing helping with costume at a local community. Don't let it leave you because it brings you joy. And I think so many people think that their last show in high school and they'll never be a part of it again. And for a lot of people, that's true. And it's sad. It should never be that way. Always find a way. I know it in my heart that actors, it doesn't leave you. It stays with you for the rest of your life. And you need to make sure that you feed that part of your life. So stick with it. And if it's your dream then go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Thank you everyone for tuning in and thank you Leslie and Michelle for being my guests this week. I hope you were all inspired and excited by all the incredible advice that they had. I mean, get out there and find a small community who is so excited to make films in it. What a great idea and what a legacy project to leave. If you are inspired by their story, I want to remind you of the incredible online workshop that I talked about last week in the episode, but I'm going to mention again this week. So again, not a scammy scam, 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 scam. I did all my vetting work, but Oliver is an incredible filmmaker, and he has put together a wonderful online course that's starting August 17th. And if you are interested in developing your own films, he will teach you how to create a five-minute film in 10 weeks and how to go about doing that from scratch. All the information is below, but if you want to contact Oliver, actorproducerblueprint at gmail.com or Hollywood Films on Instagram, I'll put all of his contact information below if you want to. To get started on this incredible ride that is filmmaking and filming your own content. I hope you'll enjoy me next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com.
Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!